Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's look at Acts chapter 26. I'm actually going to do the Christmas message next Sunday. So if you came looking for a Christmas message, sorry to disappoint you, but we're going to be in the Word of God anyways. Father, we thank you for the morning. Lord, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to be born just like we were, except he was uh, immaculate conceived. We believe in the virgin birth because your scripture said that would happen. That takes faith for it's impossible, but nothing is impossible with you, Father. And so we thank you for the faith and that it's not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon your word. Your word says it. And so we thank you for that free gift of faith that we receive to even accept Jesus as our savior. Probably most of us in this room, but maybe there's someone here who has not received that free gift yet. For whatever reason, they've put it off. Lord, I pray this morning that they would hear the love that you have for them and that you desire to have a relationship with them and that they will open their heart to the gospel, the good news, the salvation. It's free. And at the end of this service, they would accept Jesus as their Savior. What a a great testimony they are going to have to pass from death to life and life with you forevermore. So I pray for the gift of teaching. Bless our study this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new or visiting, we're in Acts chapter 26. We're going to pick it up in verse 19. But just to bring you up to speed a little bit, you can get CDs. They're free over on the wall. Uh, We left off in our last study with Paul sharing his testimony with the Roman governor Festus, King Herod Agrippa, and Agrippa's sister Bernice. There were others gathered as well in most likely that beautiful amphitheater. And if you've been to Israel, you know exactly right now your mind's going back to that location that is located right next, next to the Mediterranean Sea in Caesarea. And so we'll pick it up in verse 19, Acts 26, 19. Therefore, again, Paul is speaking, who was Saul at one time. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Very important. Notice that right there. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You see, here's a key component to our Christian walk or to our faith, obedience. This is probably the hardest part of our faith in actuality. You see, it's easy to hear the truth. It's easy to acknowledge the truth. But it is not always easy to obey the truth. And I think you would all agree with that as you think about that. That's easy. Oh, yeah, that's true. I acknowledge that that's right. Oh, you want me to implement that into my life? Now, you won't be able to do this on long term. You might be able to religiously, but you won't be able to last via the Holy Spirit. You need the the Holy Spirit to empower you, to give you strength, to get over those things. Yeah, that's true. I acknowledge it's true, but I can't get over it. Right, you can't, but the Holy Spirit through you can. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Again, if you're new or visiting, we believe in the Word of God, and so we go through the Word of God a lot. I encourage you to get used to your Bibles. 
from Genesis to Revelation. Hopefully you've been doing your daily reading, not for legalism or religiosity, uh, but out of a relationship. And this morning in 1 John uh, 4 and 5, and also in Amos, uh, spoke of America once again. And it spoke of the believer, how we can know that we're going to heaven for sure, for certain. But in 1 Samuel 15, we read this, after King Saul was instructed to do something, and because of the people and his own heart, refused to do what God asked him to do. And so this is what the prophet Samuel had to say to King Saul because of his disobedience. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Now religion will try to teach us that our fleshly sacrifices, whatever that might be, that's what's going to get God to love us. If we just do certain things, if we abstain from certain things, if we fast, if we pray, if we give money, if we do this, we do that, then God will love us. Not correct at all. Scripturally incorrect. For God so loved the world before you were born, before I was born, before Adam and Eve came into existence. God loves his creation. Period. We're the ones in rebellion. Not God. God's love is unconditional. It's agape love. So it's so important that we as Christians remember it's the voice of the Lord and obeying. And how do we hear that? I personally have never heard Jesus talk to me audibly. If you're new to the faith, you might think, well, does God really talk to us audibly? I've never heard the Father or the Son, but I have heard the Holy Spirit and predominantly through the Word of God. As I read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit then touches my heart, touches my mind, and shows me, conveys to me the truths that are found in the Word of God that are unchanging, guys. They're unchanging. Our culture is constantly changing. In the last 20 years, 10 years, in the last two years, how much of our culture has changed? But God's love is not. So, so important. Behold, Samuel goes on to say, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. All of our sacrifices, our religious sacrifices, mean nothing, mean absolutely nothing if we don't have a relationship with God and then learn to walk in his will. For rebellion, so for those of you who are stubborn, are any of you stubborn? Feel free to raise your hand. If if you're not, you don't have to raise your hand, but yeah, I'm stubborn and my wife would raise her hand too. She's really stubborn, but you know, it's just the way it is. We're stubborn. But as you submit to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit breaks that stubbornness. But notice what it says here. So next time you feel like being stubborn and hard-headed and uh, it's my way or the highway, for rebellion is the same is as the sin of witchcraft. Ow! Now there is a good stubbornness, a spiritual stubbornness. Like, God, I love you. I want to know more about you, so I'm going to pray. And my flesh doesn't want to pray. But God, I'm going to pray. That's how you use your stubbornness as a good trait. And, oh, God, I'm so busy this day. I just don't have time to read your word. No, you get into that mentality of, God, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to read your word because I want to know more about you. So you can use stubbornness in a good way. If it's for your flesh, it's one of the worst traits to have for the flesh. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord... 
he has also rejected you from being king. So we look back in Acts 26. So Saul, Paul, same man if you're new to the faith, who was most likely named after Israel's first king, King Saul, was a person who was willing to learn from his mistakes and repent. You see, stubbornness will not be willing to learn and repent. Stubbornness will be, no, it's my way. This is just the way it is. I don't want to hear your counsel. I don't want to hear the Bible. I don't want to hear anything. It's just, that's just the way it is. It's not good. Unfortunately, King Saul didn't learn from his mistakes, but rather continued in them as you read the word. And through the spirit of humility, we can learn from our mistakes and grow in our obedience to the will of God and the ways of God. Then as I continue to learn to apply obedience into my life, I have to apply it just like you need to. I need to. I am really learning that God has a plan for my life and I can rest in that plan. You see, he doesn't need the constant sacrifices of my flesh, but rather he desires the simple obedience of my heart. Please take that to heart. Because unfortunately, there's a lot of religions out there, even under the banner of Christianity, to make a person feel that you have to, you have to, you have to do these certain things in order to be saved, in order for God to love you, and that's not correct. No, I don't have to read my Bible. I have a privilege of reading my Bible. It's kind of like I don't have to love my wife. It'd be kind of dumb not to, right? It's a privilege to love my wife. I don't have to open the door for my wife. It's a privilege. All these have-tos that religion puts on a person, you've got to get out that, you got to debug the program and say, I get to. I get to. What a privilege. I get to come to church. What a privilege. And guys, we've been blessed in Arizona. A lot of people in New York, California, this is not happening in other states. And, and they know, they realize now, wow, what a privilege to gather. I, I hope you don't take this for granted. It is a privilege. Verse 20, Acts 26 but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles, what? Now you won't hear these words in most churches today. That they should repent. Repent? Why, why, what does that mean? Well, repent means to turn from. Sin. Oh, sin? We don't talk about sin in church. Yeah, yeah, we talk about sin in church. Because we're all sinners. We're born into sin, which means we all need to repent. We all need to acknowledge that we're in need of a Savior. So repentance is vital. So what does Paul do, do who was a, a Pharisee, who knew the first five books of the Bible word perfect? Did he go around preaching religion? No, he, he taught repentance. Turn to God and do works befitting repentance. Befitting. Now you can look this up. I'm not a Greek scholar, Hebrew scholar. The books are out there. Just get them. Do a little bit of studying. That word befitting means comparable. Comparable. So let's look at Philippians 1 and get some practical application. Befitting means comparable. Comparable. That they should repent, turn to God, and do works comparable to repentance. Philippians 1.9 says this, and Paul writing to the church at Philippi, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the, the definitions to these words, 
You don't need to write them down because I'm going to have a slide at the end that you can take a picture of. Or if you want to write them down, you can write them down. But So, may approve means to test. The things that are excellent, that are excellent, it means to bear through, to bear through. That you may be sincere. The word sincere there means judged by sunlight. And without offense. Offense means inoffensive, not leading others into sin. Till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which means equity, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So here's that slide. If you'd like to take a picture of it, take a picture of it. But you can do this yourself. Again, there's, there's tools out there where you can go and you can look up these words and find out a specific definition of those words. And it helps me, hopefully it helps you, to understand the Bible better. And again, now let's read these verses without the definitions in there for practical application. How could I be showing fruit to my coworkers today in 2020 that I'm saved? How could I be showing fruit to a Democrat or a Republican or a communist or a socialist or whatever name you want to put out there, how can I show them that I'm saved? I should have fruit of salvation. Not fruit for salvation, fruit of salvation. So let's read it again, uninterrupted. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. As we look back in Acts 26, 20, you see my works or fruit of salvation will show that I've spent time with my loving heavenly father because I'm walking in the light. You know, do some of you remember that old light bright set that you used to have? Did any of you get ever get that light bright? Hey, who got that light bright? I got that light bright as a kid. I mean, those were the coolest things. You give somebody that now, and they're like, what is this? It's a box with a bulb in it. Big deal. But, you know, it had pieces of paper with a design on it. It had letters of the color that you would insert between these two plastic panels. And as you picked up those pegs, they were dull. They were like, oh, I think that's orange. I'm not sure if that's orange or yellow. Yeah, I think it's orange. But as soon as you punched it through the paper, that light then illuminated the plastic, and boom, orange. Wow, that is orange. Red, yellow, green, purple, whatever color it was. And as you kept punching it in, all of a sudden this picture came out. You know, a butterfly or a flower or whatever it was. And then when you got all done, you said, back, wow, that is so cool. But unplug it. Not so cool anymore. Just a bunch of dull plastic pegs. What? And you kind of look at it and you go, what is that? Plug it back in, poof. Wow. See, because that's our Christian faith. As you get plugged into the Word of God, as you spend time in prayer, you start to shine. And your coworkers and your neighbors, they see something different about you. And they can't explain it. And they might not even ask you. But you're at least giving them that witness of your faith. I mean, why do you bother going to church on Sunday morning? Why do you bother doing that? Couldn't you find something better to do? Not if you want to be more like Jesus. Why do you read your Bible during the day? Couldn't you find something better to do? Not if you want to be more like Jesus. I mean, this is very simple. 
But yet, how many of us apply these simple truths so that we might shine to a world who needs to see Jesus? They don't need to see a better Republican, a better Democrat, a better citizen. They need to see Jesus because their eternity is at stake. Not just their temporal taxes. Their eternity is at stake, guys. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, when you and I allow ourselves to be illuminated by the grace of God through his word, we begin to radiate the love of God because we come to understand what God did for us. Relationship. Relationship. Not what we need to do for God, which is religion. See, our lives become transparent, and a beautiful countenance of relationship replaces the scowl of religion that once hung over us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you were that person or you know somebody who has that scowl. It's all about religion. You see, this will in turn produce fruits of grace, mercy, and forgiveness, or being filled with the fruits of the Holy Spirit, righteousness, or equity, which only comes by growing in the knowledge of Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit said it best through Peter's Final, this is Peter's final written thought. If you could say one thing, I mean, this would be a great thing to put on your headstone. If you could say one thing as a Christian, you're on your deathbed, what would you tell somebody? What would you tell somebody with your final thought? Look at what Peter writes here. Final written thought. But grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Now, Savior really comes before Lordship. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. That's the bad news. If you want the free gift of salvation, the good news, the gospel, you can receive Jesus as your Savior, and then you will immediately become a son or a daughter, and then you will be going to heaven. The choice is yours. God sends nobody to hell. The choice is yours. So you actually allow him to become your savior first, and then through what I've been talking about already, you you allow him to become your Lord, your master. That's what Lord means, master. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I, I definitely couldn't say it any better. That would be a great thing to put on a headstone. Back in verse 21 of 26, Acts 26, 21. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Again, these are the religious Jews. Very important to distinguish that because Paul shared so effectively about the gospel and the need for repentance. There were many, both Jew and Gentile, who were coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior. Churches were being established and thousands were joining in this new faith called Christianity. I just read an article the other day. I don't know how they find this out, but I'm going to take it for what it's worth. Right now in Iran, the church is the fastest growing uh, Christian faith in all the world. Right now in Iran, through all the persecution and chaos. So it might not be happening in America, and God might be removing his hands from America. That doesn't mean he's not giving up on people. He's still calling people to the cross. He's still calling people to a relationship. In Iran, supposedly right now, they're coming. This upset the religious Jews immensely, which is the real reason why they wanted to kill Paul. But as far as the Roman law was concerned, Paul had committed no crime worthy of death, as we've been studying the last few weeks. Verse 22, therefore, having obtained help from God, 
To this day I stand. And I have the rest of the verse highlighted. I encourage you to highlight your Bibles. Witnessing both to small and great, saying, No other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. Guys, in these days we're living in, we could have all kinds of arguments all day long. That's not necessarily going to bring somebody to Jesus. Paul went to the Word of God to bring people to Jesus. And guys, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're not ambassadors for this nation per se. We're ambassadors for Christ. And notice what Paul says, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. I mean, that's just a great thought. Even though there were so many people against him, even though he has been imprisoned on false charges and has found himself alone there for over two years now, he still realizes that he has the majority on his side. Guys, this is crucial for you and I in these next four years. This is crucial. This is reality. The enemy wants to destroy the church. If he destroys the church, he destroys the representation of Christ on the earth. Every church, any church, he wants to destroy that representation. He still realizes that he has the majority on his side. When God is on your side and you're walking in the truth, you have the majority. Might not feel like it, but I heard, I heard Matt praying earlier. I think he was praying, or maybe he was just commenting. It's not based on feelings, guys. Christianity is not based on feelings. It's based on facts. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven, and we should want to take somebody with us. Let's look at, I'm gonna, I did some, if you like, take pictures. Psalm 121, for time's sake. I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. We can look at the Santan Mountains. Could we move them? (laughs) Good luck. They're going to be there. They're stable. They're secure. But is that where our help comes from? No. How about Psalm 25, 15? My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. And all these are from the New Living Translation. As we continue down this road, we need to be encouraged and strengthened that we're not alone, even if we seem like we're alone. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? And then Psalm 124.8, our help is from the Lord who made creation, who made heaven and earth. We know according to the word of God, Jesus spoke it into being. So can he take care of you? Can he take care of me? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. He can absolutely take care of us. And again, we put up these little slides, the little white cross. If you're new, is roughly where you'll find it in your Bible. Two, two books in front, two books after. What does Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 say? Verses that you're very familiar with. But using them now in the context of Paul standing before kings. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, 
and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, those who trust in the word of God, those who wholeheartedly believe, God, your Holy Spirit dwells within me as a believer. You've spoken this world into being. You can take care of me. You can take care of me. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As we look back in Acts 26, you see Paul trusted in the Lord and his message was plain and simple. He remembered those who spoke and wrote about the coming of the Messiah, Moses and the prophets. Guys, in these days we're living in and what we're seeing happening in our time. And if you're not seeing it, you, you really got to wake up because this is reality. Things are desperately going to change. There is a plan in the word of God, Revelation chapter 13. There is going to be a one world government, a one world religion, and a one world economic system. It is going to happen. If we trust in the word of God, which I personally do, I know many of you do, then we have to accept it and go praise God. Your son's coming back. And not live in fear, not live in anxiety. What's going to happen to my retirement? What's going to happen to my house? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? It's God's anyways. It's on loan. God just gave it to you for a season. You die, somebody else is going to waste it. Just get used to that fact. So it's it's on loan. You see, just like the saints of old, I need to grow in total reliance upon the script, what the scriptures teach. When I do that, when I do that, I will not fall prey to the tactics of the enemy by possibly becoming disillusioned. Now, I don't want to show a hands because I've worked through this over the last year as I've been teaching and reading. But how many of you might be disillusioned even right now about what's coming upon America? You're frustrated, you're angry, you're mad, bitterness is welling up within you, possibly even hatred towards somebody. Guys, that's not Christian. Jesus said if you hate in your, in your mind, in your heart, you've already committed murder. If you look upon another person with, with lust, with sexual desires, you've already committed adultery. It's not, a, it's not a, what was Jesus saying? It's not the physical act. It's the heart. Because the heart is deceitfully wicked, total wickedness, if not held under control by the Holy Spirit. So for you and I, we need to be careful that we don't become prey, disillusioned by the need of additional extra-biblical writings or man-made church teachings, religiosity. So be careful where you're going to on the internet and trying to build a scenario that isn't there. Stay in your Bible. Stay in your Bible. It's not a conspiracy. Jesus is coming back. Acts 26, uh, 23, that the Christ, so what what does Paul say? That the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer. No, 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 no. And we'll get the scriptures that talk about this. But guys, as we read the Bible, you want to go back to their time frame and listen to what Paul is saying to get the context of what he's saying. We were under the belief as a Jew that the Messiah was going to rule and reign. And we were going to rule and reign with him over all of Rome. That was their mentality. And for some reason, people in America think that Americans are going to rule and reign over this whole earth forever and ever. That's our calling as Americans. We deserve it. 
We're going to make it happen. No, you are not. God is ruling and reigning. God is ruling and reigning. That the Christ should suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead. Now, this is totally new. And would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles, which would be what? The whole world. So as we approach 8 billion people, we as ambassadors for Christ are obviously not going to impact 8 billion people. But there might be eight people around us, or ten, which is called our sphere of influence, that, that circle of folks around us that we do have an influence on, for good or for evil, and they're watching us right now? And are we getting on the bandwagon of violence, taking things into our own hands? Or are we staying with Christ? Are we staying with the Word of God? Are we staying calm? Are we trusting in the Lord? You see, this was the hardest fact for the Jewish person then and for the religious person today to accept. Again, even the disciples didn't understand Jesus when he taught them about his suffering at the hand of the Jews and the Romans. They had similar thoughts of the Messiah conquering Rome and they themselves having great earthly power, as I've already mentioned. It was only after the resurrection and the infilling of the Holy Spirit that they were finally realized what Jesus has said over his month of ministries prior to his crucifixion, that he was going to Jerusalem to suffer and die and rise again. Jesus said this on several occasions. The disciples heard the first part, that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to suffer and die. They didn't hear the rest of it. If they would have listened, they would have been at the tomb on resurrection morning. They would have been right there. They would have been there at four in the morning. They would have been like, man, he's rising again. He said he's rising again. This is where we're going to meet him. Let's be ready. No, where were, where were they? They were scared. Our, our Messiah died. We're not going to rule and reign over, over Rome. Uh, is anybody in America saying that something's dying right now and we're all doomed? Uh, yeah, a lot of people. What are they putting their trust in? A party. A party? A party. You're going to lose every single time. Let's look at Mark chapter 8. We need to put our trust in Jesus. We need to put our trust in Jesus. You see, when Jesus had taken the disciples aside to Caesarea Philippi, again, if you've been to Israel, and we're going to go in April 22, if we have our green cards, we'll probably go. If not, we won't. But... uh, your mind right now, if you're going to Israel, is flashing back to Caesarea Philippi. Man, it's a, it is such a cool place. He took his disciples there, and he asked that famous question in the gospel. Who do men say that I am? And, and folks, people, Christians, we have people sometimes asking us, who's this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Who's God? In a general sense, but then Jesus also went and asked them, who do you say that I am? Well, Mark 8, we read this. After he had said that, he says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, Mark 8, 31, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. They didn't hear that, the last part. How do I know that? He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> Rebuking the Son of God. Yeah, no, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about, God. 
But when he had turned around, when Jesus had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) That must have been a shock. You forgot my name? You're calling me Satan? Get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. I think that's a great exhortation for you and I this morning. Not that any of us are Satan. Don't go down that road at all. But are we mindful of the things of God, or are we more mindful about the things of men? Are we spending more time watching the news, and we haven't bothered reading our Bible for a day, a week, a month? Haven't cracked it in a year. But boy, I know exactly what the news is telling me. Well, that's being mindful of the things of men. It's not going to get you very far. How about Mark 10, 32 and 34? Now, when they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, this is the Lord's final week right before his crucifixion. Mark chapter 10, 32. And Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed as they followed. They were afraid. Then he took the 12 aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest. Notice this, will be. Jesus is coming back. That's a fact. Will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. The disciples shut down. And the third day, He will rise again. Didn't hear that. Don't want to hear that. And so many people in America right now don't want to hear anything negative about America or our system or our finances or what what we deserve as Americans. Don't want to hear any of that. No, no, no. That's not. No, no, no. You better be ready because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Look at Matthew 27. Matthew 27. We want to celebrate Christmas, and yes, we're going to have a great time. My wife makes Christmas happen. If it wasn't for my wife, Christmas would not happen. And about your family, but boy, what a blessing my wife is. Gifts, all of that stuff. But we celebrate Jesus sitting on the throne. That's the ultimate celebration. He is coming back. He's not a little baby. Matthew 27, 62. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying... Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Are you guys seeing that? The religious people knew that Jesus said, I'll rise the third day. He's a deceiver. But they remembered. Did the disciples remember? (laughs) They were nowhere to be found. But these guys are going to Pilate going, we remember, we remember this simplicity right here. He said that he will rise again. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he's risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. What's the first deception? That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're here today and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, 
That's not a deception, that's fact. Jesus said it in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one is no one. That would include you with all of your money, with all your smarts, whatever you might think you have going for you. Then Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now let's look at Luke 24. Luke 24. Because this is why we celebrate Christmas, guys. Yes, Jesus was born a baby. Yes. Frail human flesh, just like no one, so that no one would be able to say, well, you don't understand God. No, God understands perfectly well. Luke 24 1 through 10. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and a certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, the angels, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? Remember, remember? Do you remember? Saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again? Even the angel has to tell them. Don't you remember what he said? Let me tell you again what he said. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. See, guys, this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus stepped out of eternity, guys. If you're an unbeliever here, an unbeliever means you don't have Jesus as your Savior. For us who are believers, this makes perfect sense. But if you're an unbeliever, Jesus, God, literally stepped out of eternity past. He has no beginning, no ending. He stepped out, took on frail human flesh, was tempted in all ways that we are. No one will ever be able to say, God, you don't understand. No, God understands because God, Jesus, took on frail human flesh. He lived, he died, he was crucified, he rose again from the grave. Do you believe that? Then read the rest of your Bible where it says he's coming back. And we will not be disillusioned by what is coming upon America and upon the whole world. Do a little bit of research. Eight million people live in Israel. Eight million people live in Israel, okay? 2020, December 21st, eight million people live in Israel. Do you know how many people have died of the coronavirus in Israel? 3,000 people. 3,000 thousand people have died in Israel of the coronavirus. Do you know what that is? 80,000 would be 1%. If 80,000 people in Israel died, that would be 1% of the population. 3,000 people have died. That's like point zero zero. It's like 24 zeros and then a one of the population. Do you see the situation here? 
It's control. They are willing and they're going to submit to the Antichrist, the false messiah. Because right now the whole population is submitting to point zero 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 zero. Guys, this is reality. It's our reality, it's their reality. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. Be excited about that. Don't be bummed. I've been waiting 42 years to see him on the clouds. The rapture is coming, guys. Jesus is coming back. Celebrate Christmas. Enjoy what you have. I enjoy every day. Praise God. We're going to start spending our money because somebody else is going to take it. So enjoy it. (laughs) Enjoy it. But don't focus on it. Don't focus on it. Here's the gospel message. That a sinless man, Jesus, has come into the world to save sinners, the rest of humanity. God came to save all of humanity as we approach 8 billion people on this earth. There's not one person that God does not love. If you're here this morning, God loves you. Paul is sharing the greatest truth to a lost generation, and that message hasn't changed. Read ahead and see the results of his testimony here in Acts, and we'll cover it in a few weeks from now. But this is why Jesus came to the earth to save sinners, which we all are, by the way. Have you acknowledged that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Here's the closing question. Have you acknowledged that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Most of us in this room have. Maybe you haven't. Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Most of us in this room have. But maybe there's one person in this room or watching over the internet that hasn't. Today is the day of salvation. Do you want to receive the free gift of salvation? Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. It's the greatest gift. It's the greatest gift that you could have ever given to mankind. You're not asking us to become more religious. You're not asking us to jump through a bunch of religious hoops of do's and don'ts. You're just asking us a simple question. Do you realize you're a sinner? And that you need a savior? It's so simple. And Father, I thank you, and many of us in this room thank you that we have acknowledged that, and we have received your Son as our Savior, and we're in that process now of allowing him to become our Lord, our Master, that we would allow your will to be done and not ours, because your will is perfect. You know what's best for your kids. So Father, we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, help us to continue to grow in that maturity that will continue to obey whatever it is that your Holy Spirit will ask us to do. You'll never ask us to sin. You'll never ask us to contradict the word. So we can trust in the Holy Spirit by reading your word on a regular basis. You know, as we're praying, maybe there's someone even on the internet right now So we as believers, we're standing in the spiritual gap right now. So I encourage you to pray right now in the privacy of your own heart. Stand in that spiritual gap for that unsaved person. Maybe you're here this morning with us in person. I'd like to offer you the free gift of salvation if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning. If you would acknowledge 
Not to me. This is between God and you. If you would acknowledge to God, yes, I am a sinner and I need a savior, God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. But you have free will. You can stiff arm God if you want. But you'll never be able to say that God didn't give you a chance because he just did. He gave you another chance, another chance to receive Jesus as your savior. So I'm gonna pray a simple prayer and if you would like to receive Jesus as your savior, you just pray this simple prayer with me. It's not the prayer, it's your heart. It's the sincerity of your heart. If you're sincere, God will hear and God will accept you into his kingdom. Just pray this simple prayer. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner which means I need a savior. So I come to you this morning. I come to you right now. And I ask for forgiveness. I've wronged. I've offended you. And I am not worthy of heaven. So God, I ask Jesus right now, to become my Savior. I invite your Holy Spirit right now to come into my life. I don't know what this means, but I trust you're going to show me. So I invite your Holy Spirit to come into my life, to seal me, to cover me, to label me yours until the day I die. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. And God, I say thank you that I'm now your son. It's that simple. I'm now your daughter. And I can now call you father. My father. Thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity this morning to open your word and to see that the scriptures are going to be fulfilled and it's our call as believers, as ambassadors, to just stick with the word and not argue about all this other stuff that's going on. Help us just to stick with the word and knowing that these things must come upon this earth but you want us to water and to plant and to fertilize. And Lord, if it's your will this week, we pray that we could pray with someone to receive Jesus as their Savior, that we'd ask them and they would say, yes, Lord, give us that opportunity, we pray. Bless our week. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. Have a blessed week. Let's sing a closing song. If you need prayer, If you receive Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We'd love to know about it. We'd love to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.